Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. So if you were here uh, last week or caught up via um, podcast, you would know that I'd already given a bit of a heads up in regard to what I wanted to talk about today. And because the title of today's message is Wise Man Worship as we lead up to Christmas. And that's why I wanted us to um, take a moment uh, to not just have a message, but to um, take a moment to actually apply that message. So I'll be honest with you, it's going to be quite a practical message. Um, But let's start by reading um, the Scripture from Matthew 2. I'm reading from the the Passion Translation, which is a, a new translation, a modern English translation, but of the Bible, uh, just uh, helps us gain a little bit of, 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 of a deeper level of understanding. So Matthew 2 says this, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, near Jerusalem, during the reign of King Herod. After Jesus' birth, a group of spiritual priests from the east came to Jerusalem and inquired of the people, where is the child who is born king of the Jewish people? We observed his star rising in the sky and we've come to bow before him in worship. King Herod was shaken to the core when he heard this. And not only him, but all Jerusalem was disturbed when they heard this news. So he called a meeting of the Jewish ruling priests and religious scholars, demanding that they tell him where the promised Messiah was prophesied to be born. He will be born in Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, they told him. Because the prophecy states, and you, little Bethlehem, are not significant among the clans of Judah, for out of you will emerge the shepherd king of my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the spiritual priests from the east to ascertain the exact time the star first appeared. And he told them, now go to Bethlehem and carefully look there for the child. And when you found him, report to me so that I can go and bow down and worship him too. And they left and on their way to Bethlehem, suddenly the same star they had seen in the east reappeared. Amazed, they watched as it went ahead of them and stopped directly over the place where the child was born. And when they saw the star, they were so ecstatic that they shouted and celebrated with unrestrained joy. When they came into the house and saw the young child with Mary, his mother, they were overcome. Falling to the ground at his feet, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure boxes full of gifts and presented him with gold, 
frankincense and myrrh. And afterward, they returned to their own country by another route because God had warned them in a dream not to go back to Herod. Amen. Allow me to pray. Father, we thank you for your word. This is your word. We thank you for its insight. And Father, as we gather around it today, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to hear what the Spirit is saying. We truly believe that every single person in this room, Lord, has an individual message here for them. Father God, that they will hear something that is for them. There is something for all of us and there's something for us as individuals. We pray that every one of us would have the openness to receive what the Spirit would say. Now, Father, we help ask you to help us. Ask me, I ask you to help me as, as I come and open my heart and uh, share the things you've laid on my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 A very familiar story, I think even, even if maybe you've not been around church or you don't usually go, I mean, the, the account we've just read is uh, the stuff that uh, school nativities are made up of down the generations and uh, Sunday school productions, etc., etc. Um, and, you know, the, the, we, we talk about we talk about kings, don't we? The, the three kings or the three wise men. Some biblical translations call them the magi. And uh, these, these guys were probably not kings, but they were definitely spiritual people. They were wise men. They were men actually who would have been intrigued by the supernatural. They would have been superstitious. They would have been dream interpreters. And uh, the Bible tells us that they saw his star, meaning Jesus, that, that they saw his star in the east. Um, and what I love about this is that there will be many of us who, who, who here who know the Lord who need to understand that um, these, these guys were, were, were probably uh, people who were operating in what we might call the dark side of spirituality. They were, they, were, they were into, as I say, dream interpretation. They would have been into, they, uh, they, would, have, uh, they would have been looking at, at the stars, uh, looking into the stars for, for, for signs, uh, something like astrology. Um, and, and what I love though is that, that God used something, even with all that, there was something in these men's heart that was seeking after truth. They were looking in all the wrong places. Anyone relate to that? They were looking in all the wrong places, but there was something in them that longed for truth. And God looked beyond their practices at their heart and arranged for them to see something that they needed to see. And it was something that maybe many would not have noticed. I love the fact that God will catch your attention with something that others might miss. God knows exactly what it takes to catch your attention. And he caught these men's attention to, to the degree they were so curious uh, by what they saw, they began an incredible long journey 
to find Jesus. I love the fact that they pursued Jesus even when they had lost sight of the star. The Bible says that the star reappeared. They, they caught sight again. But there was a season when they were pursuing Jesus, but they lost sight of the star. I want to say to us, the pursuit of God will always involve us losing sight of the natural for a while. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Sometimes I've got to keep walking. I've got to keep going, even though I can't see what I first saw. But I'm trusting the God who gave me the word. I'm trusting the God who, who uh, caused me to start the journey. Maybe, maybe you started out on something. Maybe you, you are, God gave you a word and you've begun a journey to something, but, but you've lost sight of some of the things you were believing for, some of the things you were hoping for, some of the things that you were dreaming for. And it's confusing because you began this journey of faith because of what you saw. But sometimes God will cause me to lose sight of what I first saw so that I am not trusting in what I saw, but I'm trusting in the one who inspired the journey. I'm trusting in the one who made the way. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You've got to, you, every one of us in our journey with God will have to engage with the truth and reality of that scripture. We've got to trust when we lose sight. We've got to trust when we don't understand. It doesn't say you're not going to have understanding. It just says don't lean on it. You've got an opinion, but don't lean on it. You've got what you think you under, what you know, but don't lean on it. You've got to trust in God and trust in what He has said. We also see of these wise men that they came with the intention to worship. And so they did not come empty-handed. Because worship and giving go hand in hand. Because worship is about what I bring. Worship is about what I give. And, and they brought gold, symbolic of the divinity of Jesus, frankincense, symbolic of a life of holiness and devotion, and myrrh, an embalming spice, speaking prophetically of Jesus' death on the cross. They brought gifts because they brought their worship. Worship is about what I bring. And I say here, wise men, wise men worship Jesus and wise people still do. Wise men worship Jesus and wise people still do. I just found myself 
in a place where some things were renewed and, and, and revived in me as I, as I read this account that I've read so many times, engaged with so many times. And I want to I wanna say this um, as, we, as we begin something of a practical journey into this. I've said that wise men worship Jesus and wise people do because the thing about Jesus is that men and women are equal before him. But we're not the same. Men, I mean, I hope, I'm, it's, I hope some of you have picked up on that. Um, we are equal. We have equal status. We have equal value. But we are not, we're not the same. And uh, I, wanted, I wanted to underline today right from the outset, and I just felt prompted to do so, that worship is not just for women. Worship is not just for women. I will let the ladies do that because they know how to express their emotions. They know how to be, they know how to be free. I want to say that masculinity is not defined by my lack of expression in worship. What I'm saying is that we should never allow a culture to define our worship. Our worship is defined by God. Now I'm speaking very generically. I understand that it is certainly not true of everybody. But I want, I want to speak, I want to speak to the man because wives need husbands who genuinely worship. And children need fathers who genuinely worship. And I want to say that whether we like it or not, we all worship. Worship is something that engages our heart and engages our mind. We may not all worship God, but we all worship something. Because worship is something that engages our heart and our mind. But, but when we talk about worship of God, we're talking about worship means I'm connected to the source. I'm connected to the one of whom I worship. And I also want to say this, if you don't like worship, eternity won't feel much like heaven to you. Something's got to happen. Something's got to happen. If you don't like the worship, yeah, yeah, all that worship stuff. But I just want, I've just come for the word. The word. That, you, let me tell you, heaven is going to be long. That's all I'm saying. What, what, I, what I love as we see this, this picture played out of the wise men coming. And they were, they were the epitome of man's highest wisdom. Um, and, and, and let me tell you, that the whole, these were not just some weirdos. The whole of Jerusalem was stirred. You're not telling me that the whole, the whole of Jerusalem is going to get stirred about three weird guys with, with, with a few weird ideas. There was, there was something about these guys that didn't just stir a king, but stirred, stirred a city. And they represented, they were the epitome of man's highest wisdom. 
And yet that wisdom in the presence of Jesus fell at his feet and bowed down. Jesus, the Son of God. Because higher than man's wisdom is the worship of God. When I worship God, I put God in the proper place in my life. He, and, and, and a life, a life that is going to be blessed, a life that is going to be whole, a life that is going to be fruitful, a life that is going to be successful is a life that has put God in his proper place. And I find it intriguing because I'll be honest, it doesn't look, it doesn't look wise to bow before a baby. It looks wise to, to bow before a scholar. It looks wise to bow before a re religious leader. It looks, it looks wise to bow before a king, but to bow before a baby, it does not look wise. And maybe... It doesn't feel wise. But, but bowing before God is the beginning of wisdom. The wise men bowed down. And I want to say this because this is just some things that I've been, I've been thinking about because I think it really highlights something that I, I mold, it's the wrong way of saying it actually, but just bear with me just for the sake of the, the moment. I, I mold myself to God. I can't because without him I'm not going to be able to do that. I don't mold God to me. I don't shape God according to what I feel comfortable with and what I want. It's like a pick and mix spirituality. I love a little bit of that. And I'm not sure I like those. Don't like that. Get stuck in my teeth. I, I, it's, it, when it comes to truly knowing God, truly knowing God, it's about how I mold myself and my life to him. Yeah. He gets to say, he gets to dictate what I do. He gets to dictate the standard. Because the truth is, too many of us, I think, we, we, we call him Lord, yet act like we're Lord. And so... This is this is what this is what got to me. Um, that these these wise men bowed, and 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 they bowed in a certain way, which I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna show you in a moment. But but it was an act of it was an act of reverence, deep respect, and high regard. So I wanted to I wanted to highlight this because the way these men almost certainly from Persia, would have bowed, would not have been like this, which is very English. That is an English bow. That's about as much as we can manage. 
But these great men, when they came to Jesus, would have got down on their knees and touched their head to the ground. And I thought to myself, I almost didn't do that. And let me, let me, I'm just having a little moment of honesty with you. The reason I almost didn't do that is because I wasn't really sure. I was going to look kind of stiff and a bit awkward physically as I got down and mostly as I got back up. <laughs> but I thought, wow, here am I coming to talk about worship. Here am I prepared to demonstrate something, but that stuff is going through my mind. Because for me, this isn't just about this moment. It's going to get on the podcast, you know what I mean? And I was thinking, wow, you know, they're going to see this old guy now struggling to get up. But anyway, the Lord help me. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but I just, and then I thought to myself, mm, that, that does play into how we complicate how we complicate that moment. Because I think that we've got to understand that true worship involves our bodies. It involves our bodies, not just our minds. Worship begins with reverence. And these great men, these great wise men, who would actually have been used to people bowing to them, these great men, when they stepped into that room, and I, you know, I've, I've uh, I helped uh, baby Ephraim today, uh, just before the service. Uh, it's very, very cute, very, very lovely. And I get to hand it back, which is also really great. But just a tiny baby. But when these men stepped into the room, they... The representatives, the epitome, epitome of all human wisdom, they recognized that they were in the presence of greatness. This was not an ordinary moment. This moment demands my attention. In this moment, I am not the focus. In this moment, I'm not meant to be self-conscious, but God-conscious. And that's why I did it anyway. Because it isn't about me. It's not about how I get down or how I get up. It's about the heart that bows down in worship. And we shouldn't let that stuff get in the way. And I do think that we're in a day and an age where we need to reassess, re-understand what worship is. We talk about it. It's the kind of thing that we think we should know about. Um, and yet there, there could be a thousand different interpretations in this room of what that 
is actually about. But we start with reverence. Not with a song. It's about an attitude. It's about an attitude of heart. It's an understanding that greatness is in the room. It's about an understanding that this moment is not about my enjoyment or my entertainment. I do not bring my worship expecting it to be appreciated. I bring my worship feeling that I am privileged that I get the opportunity to do this. That I am privileged that I have the opportunity to come and express my worship before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm privileged that I even get in the room. I don't know whether any one of you ever been in that kind of room maybe it was in a work situation or another situation and you think to yourself wow how did I get here I feel a bit out of my depth here how did I get here well whether you've had that experience or not every one of us should have that experience we should be bringing that experience when we get together in here on a Sunday that I'm privileged that I get to do this Because true worship flows from your heart and your mind. Because again, I am not the focus. He is the focus and I am focused. He is the focus and I am focused. So I'm not just caught up in the motion of something. I'm not just caught up in riding the wave of something that is happening around me. I'm not rushed. I'm not distracted. I'm not thinking about what needs to be done. I'm not thinking about what is right and what isn't right. He is the focus. This is not about the songs I like. It's not about the tunes I like. It's not whether I like hymns or whether I like Israel Houghton or whether I like Hillsong or whether I like Bethel or whatever I like. The wise men had no songs. They had no music, but they worshipped. I'm saying some obvious things to help us to re-engage with what true worship is. You see, there's pleasure, there's pleasure in singing. There's something therapeutic about singing together in a group. That's why people, people join choirs. But I've got to say, that's not necessarily worship. It's an understanding that this moment is not about me because I'm in, by faith, I'm in the presence of greatness. This moment is about Him. I'm not bodily present, yet emotionally 
absent. I think sometimes some of us, we treat God like he keeps a register. And we turn up to get our tick. You know, I'm busy, Lord. Got a lot on. A lot of shopping to do. Busy at work. Um, I've got to go to Asda. I've got to go to Audi afterwards. You know, like, I hope you appreciate this. Because it's like, you know, like, and like, you know, like God's, yeah, yeah, well done. Tick. Saw you were at church. Awesome. That is so far removed from the truth of where things should be. It's not about me being bodily present and emotionally absent. Because he is, I, 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 cannot, I cannot find the words to express who he is. Magnificent, stupendous, awesome, amazing, incredible, fantastic. Whatever you come up with, it will never be enough. Maybe that's why our truest worship is when we run out of words because we can't find ones big enough or splendid enough. And we just get to the point where we... We bow. To worship means actually to kiss towards. To kiss towards. To worship means like you might, you might kiss the back of somebody's hand. In fact, to surprise you, the, the definition of worship, it, it, it can literally mean... Um, like a dog licking its owner's hand. It's a complete engagement. I say this because it helps us just get away from whether we like the songs or not. This is about a heart connection. John 4, 23 verse 24 uh, says this, that yet a time is coming has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So in other words, to truly worship, I need the help of the Holy Spirit. And it must be honest and truthful. It's not about going through the motions or pretending Or performing in such a way so that others around me think I'm a great worshipper. Because it's easy. Some of us have been in church so long, we know. We know how to give the impression that we're worshipping. But our heart is not engaged. To truly worship, I must be intentional. I do not allow my mood to define the quality of my worship. I do not allow my mood to define the quality of my worship. But listen, the Lord understands that we have to find a place of worship. Because I'll be honest, 
I didn't see many people walking into church today with the Bibles open going, I saw them getting the kids and rushing through the car park and signing in the kids. And, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on. So don't get me wrong. The Lord understands that we need to find a place of worship. When we come to the place of worship, we need to put some things down and we need to take some things up. Because I think that there's something wrong if, if we're forever get, allowing our worship leaders to come forward and say, come on guys, whipping us up. So we sing our first song with a bit more energy or heaven forbid our fifth song with a bit more energy because we're just going through, we're just going through the motions and that becomes the best we can offer. No, we need to find a place of worship. And that means, and trust me, I'm not having a go. But it's a thought, isn't it? That if I spend more time getting my physical body ready for church, then I do my heart ready for worship. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I know. I'm not meaning to go in, but it's just a thought. It's a thought. If I've spent more time getting the physical body sorted out so I look good for church, nothing wrong with that. It's just that if I've done that more than I have preparing my heart for my moment of worship, maybe there's something a little bit out of kilter. Psalm 100 says, says this, great psalm of praise. It says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. And I, I'm reading it from the King James Version because I like the way it puts it. It is, it, it is he that has made us and we are we not, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. Now, the reason I'm bringing that psalm, that great psalm of praise to us, of helping us understand it. So, well, you know, across this room, all ages, all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of ethnicity. So we've all, many of us coming from differing cultures, but in this we are united. We love Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. And this, this, this doesn't matter where we've come from in that regard. This is about where we're going. And we come, we come in worship. I say that to say that our cultures, again, do not define our worship. When, and I, just, I think that sometimes we, we sanitize the Word of God, just to make it more acceptable. When it says, make a joyful noise, you know, oh, hallelujah. Oh, bless His name. We, we've, we've like learned these ways of doing it. Oh, glory to God. No, let me tell you something. That word noise there is, a, it means war cry. Make a joyful noise is about, it's a war cry, it's shouting, applause, it's about joy, and it's about triumph. 
So I'm, I'm sorry for those of you who don't like noise, but the Bible says that sometimes church should be a noisy place. Because it's not about us, it's about the one we're worshipping. Make a joyful noise. I pause here to talk about shouting because I think it's an interesting thing. And I've talked about it before. And, you know, I, I thank God that we're actually part of a church that knows how to be noisy from time to time. We know, that we know how to raise, uh, uh, raise a, a shout. But the point I want to make is this, that hidden amongst us, those of us who do shout are those who are just Looking like they're shouting. <laughs> or, or going, ah. It's, 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 barely, it's barely a noise. But you hide be, behind the shouts of others. I, I, I want to say the question. Because I think that this is important. Question is, are you free to joyfully shout? Are you free enough to joyfully shout? This is, I don't care whether you're an introvert. I'm, I'm one of the biggest introverts in the room. Uh, some of you are thinking and lying. I'm not. I, I, you may be a quiet personality. It, this has nothing to do with it. This has right now nothing to do whether you consider yourself an extrovert or an introvert. It's about coming with praise before our God. And I want to say to us that our ability to shout is often an indication of how free I am. How free I am of the opinions of others. How free I am on the inside. I guarantee there are people in this room and don't worry, but there are, you've never really shouted. There are some of us who know only to shout when we're angry or upset. It's the only time we raise our voice. But the Bible says we should raise our voice when we come in praise. It talks about serving the Lord, serving the Lord with gladness. I could talk a lot about this, but it means that, 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 that serving is part of worship. And not only serving is part of worship, but the attitude with which I do it. Because I'm meant to serve with gladness. He says, come before His presence with singing. Great. Tick. We, we often do that. That's good. But it, it's, it's a way of coming into His presence. We come. It's, it's a way of, of loosening ourselves from the stresses and the strains and the worries and the anxiety and the fears around our world. And we come into His presence Know that He is God. Know that He is God. That word know means learn to know. Become acquainted with Him. We become acquainted with Him in, in worship. Arrive. It says enter His gates with thankful hearts. That, that gives you an indication of the kind of what your journey should look like on the way to KMC. Enter His gates with thankful hearts. Come already praising. Be thankful and bless His name. And of course, worship may not be for us, but it does do something for us. 
Worship may not be for us, but it does do something for us. Paul and Silas in prison, when they worship, everyone's chains fell off and the prison doors flew open. King Saul was relieved by a tormenting spirit while David worshipped on his harp. 2 Chronicles 20 says that when the people of God started singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against their enemies. But I want us to understand that this kind of worship is not singing a song together. Do you understand that this kind of worship is when our hearts are joined together in focusing on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and our voices express what our hearts are declaring. That's why when I truly worship, it becomes not an option. When we raise our hands, it's a sign of our surrender. We surrender to You, Lord. This, this moment is about You. I, this is not about the way I feel today. This is not about whether I've had a great week or I haven't had a great week. Because the truth is, no matter what kind of week I've had, You are with me. You are my strength. You are my stronghold. You are my rock. You are my Redeemer. You are my all in all. Things may be going well. Things may not be going well, but You are God. And I have come to declare and I have come to give You the praise of which You are worthy. Psalm 95 verse 6 says, Come and kneel before the Creator God. Come and bow before the mighty God, our majestic Maker. Psalm 16 says this, verse 11, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in Your presence, with eternal pleasures at Your right hand. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17 says, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. When we get together and worship God, God releases freedom. True freedom is to live how we should, not how we please. I'm going to say that again. True freedom is to live how we should and not how we please. When I come into His presence, He does something in me. We are separating ourselves from the, the, the experiences around our lives and we are putting our focus on Him. I recognise that we come carrying weights. I recognise that we come carrying issues. We come carrying pressures. Every single one of us. Some of us, some of us, week in, week out, have had better weeks than others. That is life. That is humanity. That is church. That is, that is the truth and reality of it. But, but then that's why when I come to church, I'm not just coming for me. I may have had a great week and, 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 and I may be, I may be uh, just coming excited to, to sing praises to God. I may have had a tough week and it might be difficult for me. But that's where we are not here just for myself. We're here for one another. This week I might lean on you. But don't worry, next week, 
you can lean on me. Next week, because we're in this together. We're in this together. We're in this together. We shouldn't be just a group of individuals coming together to sing a few songs, hear a motivational word and crack on with our lives. We are Christ followers. We are Christ followers. And as we release our worship to Him, He will do something in us. He will release something something in us that all our trying, all our struggle, all our effort, all our energy in our own strength will never, ever produce. The kind of worshipers the Father seeks is those who worship in spirit and in truth. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK.